shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to Red Devils Talk, brought to you by the Football Masterclass. Myself, Joe and Kieran are back. It has been two weeks. We took a little bit of time off. Obviously, it's been a crazy two weeks. We've seen the whole Glazer Out movement. We've seen the European Super League might just be the shortest ever competition. It lasted about a day. Um, But we are back and we're going to talk about it. We've kind of refrained from talking about it because it's been moving so quickly. It's been moving so fast. You know, within a day, the news had changed. Joe Joe was saying he did a show with Paulie and five minutes after Chelsea dropped out. Um, So, look, we're going to go straight into it, Joe. Joe, welcome back. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the the whole Super League? And what are your thoughts on the Glazers? I want to focus more on the Glazers because I've said here across the bottom, the Glazers don't care about the fans. Now, We've done a show about the Glazers. We've done a show about the actual impact of the ownership monetarily. But what we're seeing from them is absolute contempt. They won't even talk to the fans. You know, yeah. they won't even offer an explanation. And it shows exactly what the true colors are. What we have seen is them actually show their hand. I think before what we used to see was that other fans of other clubs, especially the smaller ones, used to say, why are United fans... Um, so against Glazers, why are they so dis, uh, you know disrespectful, or why are they so um, you know spoiled in some ways because the Glazers, not their money, but our money has been spent, you know, close to over a billion. Mm. Um, but they just they're showing their true colours now, and they just don't care, do they? No, first of all, great to be with, back with you boys, working with you. I've missed you the last couple of weeks, and uh, hello to everyone listening as well. It's great to uh, be well back with you all, really. But yeah, I think. To, to be honest with you, Hayda, you know, the whole European Super League thing was a roller coaster of emotion for me. I mean, some people might call it dramatic, but on that Sunday and that Monday, I mean, Monday morning was awful, Hayda. I woke up thinking, am I even going to have a football club to support here? I mean, <laughs> this is the level that the Glazers have taken the fans to in terms of, we felt like we were having our football club taken away from us. Now, look, not investing in players, not improving the stadium, all the things that you can level at the Glazers in their time here is one thing. But to, to get to that level where we actually felt that they're taking our football club away from us, for me, was the lowest of the low. You know, being being a supporter of local football teams as well, you know, I, I didn't like what they did to the football pyramid, you know, the stuff that, that Gary Neville talked about, the impact that it was going to have on football, the wider the game, you know, the sport as well. That was really sort of depressing. And, it was just awful, mate. But I was so sort of chuffed to see it sort of pulled down within a couple of days. And, and you know, I think football won, you know, the fans won, everybody in the game won over six greedy owners, which is the way it should be, really. I mean, these people shouldn't be able to sort of try and take the game down the, the way that they did. But, yeah, I mean, the Glazers made to talk about them briefly about around the whole ESL thing, Hayner. They've just been a joke, you know I mean? I think the starting point for me was this apology letter that we got from Joel Glazer. I mean, it was an absolute joke piece of writing. First of all, it does, it didn't say the things that I wanted to see. I didn't see a 
direct, sincere apology. I didn't see how I wanted to see something in there about how they, how they have learned from that mistake and what they're going to do in the future in terms of not building relationships with the fans, but also how they're going to make sure that something like this can't happen again. Because I think a lot of that sort of apology just said to me that we're kind of sorry that it, we got caught rather than we're sorry that we tried to do this, if you know what I mean. And there's no protecting them, protecting us against them doing it in the future. So that was my worry for me. I would have liked to have seen them say further on in that apology that, look, we are, we're going to be sort of active in working with you as a fans and government to sort of make sure that things like this can't happen again. But but the reason that that wasn't in there is because we all know, A, that if they had the opportunity to do this again tomorrow in a different way, they'd try and do it. You know, they've got no shame. They've got no morals. And at the end of the day, it's, it's just a decision and an idea that's all driven by greed. Well said. You know, there's... Uh comments here you know from heli and from alan saying you know can't see the 50 plus one model working here and obvious question is what concessions can we get from the glazers and this is this is very true another comment here mm. funniest line in joe joel's yeah. letter was yeah, rebuilding trust you can't rebuild something that was never there in the first place no. absolutely kieran what i want to sort of address with you is <clears throat> i i'm not this is by the way i'm completely you know i'm against the whole what we saw last weekend in the protests you know, largely was a good protest. We saw the American flag burning. Well, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. We have a lot of American fans. We have a big American fan base. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of American yet Man United fans. And, uh, you know, they understand Manchester United. I think what, you know, the Glazers don't understand, the Cronkies don't understand FSG to an extent. Um, you know, where FSG actually differ from the Glazers is that, you know, they went and brought in footballing people in footballing positions and they actually built, built, you know, a project with uh, Jürgen Klopp, gave him the tools that he needed and he won the Champions League and the Premier League. The biggest problem I have with the Glazers and the Americanization that they're trying to do with football is that people don't understand these football clubs have been around in communities for years. I'm talking years and years. They're the absolute heartbeat of these communities. You know, people work hard during the week so they can go and watch their club, whether it's down in the grassroots to the top, you know, at the Premier League where Manchester United, you know, play. And to take that away from people, and we've seen what's happened with the pandemic, that football clubs have died. You know, people have lost clubs that have been around for 200 years. And it's heartbreaking for people, and but they don't understand that. And that's why football in this country is so tribal, because it, it's not like it's a 50, 60-year thing. That's, this, is, this runs deep. You know, we talk about the Manchester United and the Liverpool rivalry. That's not football based. You know, the rivalry before between Manchester United and Liverpool was was, you know, to do with the docks and things like that. So this is what they don't understand. And to do what they tried to do and then to essentially not even give the fans an answer. You saw with Avram Glazer saying that no comment. It's almost as if, what can we do? Because you're looking at that 50 plus one model. That's not going to just come in like that. This is no. a capitalist country. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. This is a capitalist country. You can't just take a major asset off rich people and just be like, right, okay. It's almost like taking from the rich and giving to the poor, isn't it? You can't do that. The only way it works is if the government do come in, they manage to trigger, find a loophole in some legislation, they manage to trigger it. That's the only way. But, you know... While the movement is great, 
And while it's great to see the fan base united for a short amount of time, realistically, they're not really going anywhere. And that's that's the thing that's making me so so sad about it all. Because you know what? We've got a game coming up on Thursday. Since this whole European Super League debacle, since this whole Glazer almost showing of their true colours, my love for football is... It, it feels almost... I feel numb. And I don't really care what happens. And that's the sad thing. Yeah, it is. The one thing that they don't understand, and I think it was... I think it was Gary Neville that put it best that they don't own the football club. They're renting the ownership of the football club because the Glazers will be gone at some point in time and somebody else will own it. But event what people don't what these people don't get is that the people who actually own the football club are the communities that that football club represents. And that's why they don't understand it because you look at and I like to compare it to the NFL because that's what this model that they're trying to make into to where it's guaranteed revenue every single year. They know exactly how much money they're going to make. The difference is the owners in the NFL pretty much stay the same. It gets passed through the family over generation to generation. That's not the way these football clubs are built up. The people built them up. And as more money came into the game, you started seeing more owners. And the one thing that has kind of, it kind of annoyed me listening to all of these kind of, I guess, pundits when they're talking about it. But also, I know the Crystal Palace owner came on, and yet there's Gary Neville there talking about this independent regular, which we've actually been harping on about for ages. How come this wasn't in before? How come we can't have these people in to make sure that pe- these owners that are coming into the game aren't going to actually try and do something like this and we were talking about this months ago before even knowing i think it was when um project big picture happened we started talking about it and like you said hater okay we've stopped it for now it's gonna come again there's too many people that are now invested into that for for it just to completely die it we would be absolutely naive to think that these same people aren't trying to do something in the background and they're just going to try and pick a time that's going to make it very easy for it to happen. And that's a, that's a really big problem when it comes to what, what can they, what can we do? What kind of, what can they give over? Look, it, the only thing that they can do is if they slowly start to change the way the shares in Manchester United works to when people can buy in, that's the only thing because basically they sell the shares where they have one vote and that does nothing because that's basically where it's more they sell shares where they make all the money and it actually has no difference in the stake of the company yeah that's so class a and the class b isn't it yeah, the class a, exactly like 10, 10 votes per share and class b is one, one. and when they yeah. sell when they sell their shares they're actually just selling the ones with with the lesser well, voting rights really yeah, so basically, if they genuinely wanted to have some sort of change, or if the government wanted to have some sort of change, they would need to change in the way that works, that everything is class A shares, where if they're selling any off, that it's 10 votes per share. It's the only way that that can work. But the problem is, and even, I know, Joe, you were mentioning about the kind of, a guest letter or where people expected an apology. I didn't even want one because at that point, it was already done. I didn't care what they said. I didn't even read what they wrote because for me, it doesn't matter because we t- we spoke about that time and 
it did feel like they were taking the football club away that each one of us were like season's over don't care about the rest of the games and everything we've spoken about for months where we're talking about transfer windows and I didn't care I would have been like even if it's nobody's coming in I prefer that to what we're starting to see and it it just goes to show like what football really is and I do think it's a it's a little bit rich a lot of the Premier League kind of people coming out and saying oh this is so terrible when they they kind of started all of this and mm-hmm. nobody backs the smaller clubs and wanting these independent regulators like Gary Neville said he's tried to bring it in for 18 months and mm-hmm. nobody in the big look if he was trying to bring that in they probably have a lot of teams within kind of League 1 League 2 championship that want to bring this in but the problem is the Premier League teams won't do it even if they say it's a good idea because they know that they can benefit from not having it. Because if they need some sort of owner to come in, look, there's a couple of teams that know that there's people trying to buy into the Premier League, and it's usually the middle one. So that's why if when they're asking the Crystal Palace owner a lot of things, he didn't really want to answer it, because he knows it can benefit him. And that's the problem. Even the other 14 clubs, if they had the opportunity to join something, they would, they would take it. They would do exactly what Arsenal did, and they would do exactly what Tottenham did. And that's the problem, that even though we do have some of those clubs like Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, that have these owners, especially kind of Liverpool, Man City, and Arsenal, that are greed, that are full of greed, every other owner that's in the Premier League that's acting like they wouldn't have taken this chance to go into a league that's going to make them loads of money. They're just lying because that Crystal Palace owner, I bet you if they said, oh, we like Crystal Palace, they can come in, they can get 300 million. Mm -hmm. Do you really think that owner is going to say, nah, I'm not going to join because my morals is that I need to stay in the Premier League or possibly get into the Champions League. It's a lie. Well, we all hate it. The, The owners, no matter what club they own, they want to make money. And that's why you see like, for example, with even with Wolves, all these Portuguese players and stuff coming in. Like, do you really think that if their owners cared about English football, that they wouldn't be trying to bring through English players instead of just using an agent to bring all their players in? It happens everywhere. And the problem is, well, I think it was brilliant what the fans did, brilliant what Gary Neville and Carragher did. That's exactly what we need. We need people that are in, voices that people can hear to lash out where Carragher said that, FSU shouldn't be in Liverpool anymore. Gary Neville finally coming out and talking about the Glazers. Yeah, one, I just want to quickly add, Kieran, just, I mean, fantastic summary. We'll just come to you quickly again regarding Gary Neville. I absolutely loved what he did, but it's it's 16 years too late. You know, it's the same with Ferdinand as well. Yeah, he only started been. coming out, like you should have said it years ago. Mm. They've got interests, though. They've got interests. You saw with mm. Ray Parlow with the whole thing with Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV, you know. Yeah. He wouldn't he wouldn't openly criticize the ownership. And it's because, and people always say so and so is on the payroll. It's because they're on the payroll. They they're worried about future opportunities. And that's why I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit perplexed to be honest when I look at it. I'll come to you, Joe, now, because I know I know you had something to say, but I'm I'm a bit perplexed because obviously now he, Gary's coming out and Kara came out and they're they're really, you know, full of full of energy and um, you know drive to get this get this thing shut down but when you look at gary owning salford salford city he would have been looking at it and thinking right i want to get them into the premier league oh well if it's a cut-off league i can't get them there and that's how what yeah. i was thinking the whole time and i mentioned it to you guys and that, and that's the problem 
you know, what happened those last 16 years? Why didn't Gary Neville say anything then? Why did any of our ex-players say anything then? There's one person who always goes in on them. It's that Bojan uh, Georgic. Yeah, he got kicked off MUTV because yeah. of He's, he's the only fantastic. one. Yeah, he's the only one that says it how it is. He's been on Phil's podcast. He was on Stretford Paddock yesterday. He's the only one that will say it how it is. The rest of them don't. Mm-hmm. Neville doesn't. You know, Oli said it obviously before, but now he's got a job at the club. Yeah. And you have to understand that you can't always go against your... Well, yeah, because you get fired if he says yeah. that. Fletcher's another one. He's got a job. You know, he's he's got a job now at the club. This, this is why I have a bit of an issue. Not... Not so much like the fact that they're now working at the club. Would I like them to be a bit more forceful? Yes, but I don't know what goes on behind the scene. I have an issue with the ones that have kept quiet until now. You know, the fans the fans can protest as much as they want, but they need big figures who are going to turn around and do the same thing. Yeah. So, Joe, I'll bring you in. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, just on the Gary Neville thing, and Gary, I do feel for them a little bit because I do think, and they did say in there when they were talking about this, they feel implicated in all this and... You know, it, it. You know, I think they know now that they should have spoke out. I think Carragher was talking about something similar a few weeks ago when they had Ever on there. They was talking about. You remember the whole T-shirt thing with Suarez supporting Luis Suarez after the the racist abuse that Ever sort of received from Suarez. And I remember Carragher saying then, you know, looking back now, he feels ashamed that he wore that T-shirt. You know, supporting Luis, even though it was his teammate. You know, it was the wrong thing to do. But I just wanted to sort of go back a little bit on what Kieran was saying there about these other 14 clubs, you know, that they've been quick to come out and say, oh, I'll do this with them. Oh, it's terrible. These, these clubs be doing... Let me just tell you, hey, these clubs have a lot of influence on how this league works. Okay, the, there's the top six that are wanting to break away, but there is 14 clubs. And as we know, when anything gets passed in the Premier League, it has to go through a voting system. And there's more of these 14 clubs than there are six. And it's quite rich, like Kieran said, about someone like Steve Parrish coming out, being very vocal about this, when this is a guy who was voting for the Premier League during the COVID last season to be null and void. You know, didn't want the season to finish. And, you know, and if he'd have had his way, the the season would have been cut short. These are also the people that voted for... Um, just keeping it to three substitutes, not five, because they know that if it went to five, the better teams, the top, i.e. the top six, would have better squads, and therefore the balance of competition would be would be unfair. So these 14 clubs, I do feel sorry for them in, in the way that the six went about it, but in terms of how the Premier League works, they probably influence it more than the top six. The top six don't get any more voting rights just because they're the better teams. And I think... This is bringing more revenue as well. Yeah, exactly. And this is half the reason why the top six tried to do what they did. And I'm not for one minute saying that that was the right thing to do because we all know it wasn't. But this, you know, it's hard to feel sorry for the 14 too much. But where I just wanted to come in after what Kieran said was the the saddest thing for me about this is because I'm a Manchester United fan, but take Manchester United away, I'm a football fan, Adrian. What I found sad, the saddest thing about all this was is that they saw that these top six owners saw that Leicester Premier League win as a threat to them, as a danger, as probably one of the worst things that could ever happen to the Premier League. While I'm here as a fan and a football romantic thinking that that is the best thing that's happened to football in years. And this is the saddest thing for me because we've got people at the top of our club and at the top of our game looking at what Leicester achieved and seeing it 
as a negative, seeing it as a threat and it being a problem. And they'll be doing the same with West Ham getting into the Champions League this season or even into Europa League. The other team, teams like Arsenal and Tottenham, if they miss out on Europa League, they will be seeing West Ham as a problem. And they're not problems. There are massive success stories. Leicester especially. If, if we could all have owners like Leicester have had, you know, this Premier League, the game would be so be much better. There's so a comment here, actually, um, Joe, I just want to bring yeah. up about the Leicester yeah, yeah, yeah. owners. Um, I can't find it. But basically, oh, here it is by Alan. And it says, you know, 50 plus one is focused on greedy, the greedy top six. But why should Leicester's owners be forced to sell? They've been fantastic owners for Leicester City. Well, Football the interesting club. thing there, Hayter, is that I think that fans and the owners for Leicester are pretty much coincide with each other. They agree on a lot of things that happen. Yeah. So I don't think it would change in terms of a lot of the decisions that happen at the football club. But it's no. the teams that the fans are really against some of the owners' like decisions. That's where I think it will come in. And look, I, I guess just to round up on your point, Joe, I think the best thing that could happen this season after everything we've seen is that both Leicester and West Ham end up in the top four. That would yeah, be the yeah. best thing for football. Well, I do yeah. want to add to that. I'll, I'll let you come in and finish your point. But I do want to add to that as well is that you know, it's an honour to own a football club in this country. Whether it's in the Premier League or it's in League One, it's an absolute honour because there's so much rich history. And this is what people don't understand. I don't, And, you know, I don't actually want to see... You, this is going to sound so crazy. So, guys, in, in the comments, if you disagree, just say, but I don't want to see Manchester United versus Real Madrid every single week. Chelsea played Real last night. Watch that game. That first half was absolutely phenomenal. Some of the best football I've seen this season. Abs Chelsea were fantastic. Um, obviously, Real have Curry and Benzema, who I'm a big fan of, and they managed to pull one back. They haven't played against each other for 23 years. 23 years. How special is that? You know, my brother's a Chelsea fan. And uh, I was talking to him, and he was like, in my lifetime, he's what? He's 24 years old. He's never seen Chelsea against Real Madrid in, in a knockout in the Champions League. And that's what it's about. What do we remember from the years gone by? We remember the fact that Villa beat Liverpool 7-2, that we had Cristambul where, where Palace came back against Liverpool. That's what you remember. We remember the goal that Makeda scored where United... It's the underdog stories, It's always the yeah. underdog stories, the ones that stick out in your mind, you know. Yeah. Everton getting in top four when Moyes was manager all them years back, you know. They didn't do very well, but they did it. Newcastle getting into the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Under uh, yeah. Bobby Robson, what a story. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you remember. And, and that's the thing. And like I say about these owners, it's an absolute privilege for them to own a football club in this country. Why? I'm not thinking, this is not an elitist thing saying English clubs are better than any other. That's not the point. It's just the rich history. And it's generations of fans. Like, you know, grandparents supported the, the club and then the parents and the kids and then their kids will support it. it it's it's a way of life, it's, it's ingrained in culture here. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, you know, and then you look at the way you're, they're almost, as Gary said, custodians, they're guardians of the club. It's temporary. And you look at the way Leicester, the Leicester owners are the perfect example of how they've come in and they've invested the amount of charity work uh, that Vichai used, used to do. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously his son has carried on as well uh, with the, the amount of investment into the hospitals and in the surrounding city. You know, Leicester is a really vibrant place. It's one of the places actually in the UK that I do enjoy going to. I went to university in Birmingham. So, you know, Birmingham is another one. Villa have got good owners now and they're really looking to to pump the money in and to invest in the in the city. And, and Birmingham is booming at the moment. 
what have the Glazers done, Joe? They haven't put a single penny. You look, yeah. you go around Old Trafford. You know, it's it's an absolute, yeah. it's an absolute nightmare to get to Old Trafford. I'm sorry, like yeah. people say the trams are great. It's no, it's a nightmare. You know, yeah, the amount of times, you know, I I don't jump on the tram. Why? Because it's so busy. What do I do? I literally walk two miles or so, like past the cricket ground, and I get an Uber yeah. and I go back yeah. into the city. Yeah. I might sit in the car, but at least I'm sitting. You know, at least it's a bit more comf comfort sitting in the back of the taxi. It's just, you know, they haven't done anything. And, you know, it comes back to my point. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about the club. They don't care about the history. They're leveraging the history to make money. You see all these posts on social media about, you know, they're talking about the Busby Babes. They, they have no right to talk about the Busby Babes. They have no right to talk about 99. They have no right to talk about anything. Why? Because they don't understand what it means to be a Manchester United fan. And that's what hurts so much. You know, there's a few things that would stop me from follow it it's not, i would never choose another club it would stop me following football it was this european super league the way it's gone about and i know a lot of people are fine with the saudis but i've got my personal reasons for not yeah. wanting to support the club under the saudis but unfortunately that they're probably the only people or group of people that could afford united obviously there's a few others joe but you know it's an honor to own a football club in the uk it's an absolute honor and there's too many owners, especially the ones in the big top six. You look at Arsenal. I feel I feel bad for Arsenal. It's got to a point where I feel sorry for them now because it's funny to laugh at them, but it's got to a point where they're in dire straits as well. It's a great club that should not be where it is. Shouldn't be sitting at 10th in the league. If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be starting to feel a little trapped with my owners because we, what we've what we've learned in the last couple of days is that you know, really, they've got a, they've got a potential buyer there. You know, a, a willing buyer. We're hearing the stories about Daniel Ek, obviously, and this consortium of legends that they're getting together. But like they said on Sky Sports, for a, for a sale of a club to go through, you need a willing buyer, but you need a willing seller. And the issue is, is that it seems like the Cronkies are holding on to Arsenal. Obviously, look, they've been there long enough. I don't want to talk about Arsenal too much because it's not Arsenal pub, but they've been long enough. They've been there long enough now. For everyone to see that they are not going to invest the kind of money that they need to invest to get this Arsenal team challenging for where they want to be challenging. So, if they do care about Arsenal, you, in that sense, you know, you do the great thing, you do the best thing, you get the offer that you're looking for, and you step aside. If you care about the club, that's what you do. There's plenty of owners in the lower leagues who are owned by local people who know and acknowledge that the club that they love, they can't take them any further, Hader, so they pass it on. They either get investment in or they pass the ownership on to somebody else and they try and take it forward. But there's not that level of acknowledgement at the top level because they don't care what all these owners say. It's not about the love of the club. It's about making money and, and the business side of things. And, you know, you're absolutely spot on about what you say about the transport links around United and just the whole thing around the stadium I feel sorry for you boys. I mean, I get my own private chopper after the game, but I just fly away, so I'm all right. But I'm really joking. But now, you know, you know, I did, I understand totally what you mean. I drive to games and I have to drive out, and the and the traffic coming away from old traffic. If you're using a car, you it will take me longer to get from the stadium onto the motorway, or you know, or the freeways. You might call it for our American listeners listening out there, and then it does for me to get home, and that's like. It's just three miles, but it takes about an hour, an hour and a half to get to get through that three miles. So it's it's crazy. And then you look at all the wasteland that's around the ground. You know, there's too many car parks. There's too much land going to waste. Like Gary Neville said on Sky Sports last week, why don't they invest in like some sort Main of United well. experience? You know, like a almost like a little small theme park or you know some sort of like 
virtual reality thing. You know, there's so much. There's so many. It would ideas. make them more money, Joe. That's what, what, they're yeah, all about the money. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that, Hayley, But look at what Man City have done around there. Because let me let me tell you, the the area around Eastlands and whatever, there was nothing pretty there. But Man City have made an effort at least to try and make it more attractive around there. Try and make it a little bit more interactive for fans. Try and give them an experience and. You have to give something back to the community. You have to sort of speculate to accumulate, but the Glazers don't see it like that. I mean, we're hearing stories today that they would be open to doing something around the ground, but they don't know what. So I don't know whether, what that really tells me, to be honest. I mean, it's quite obvious what you need to do. It's to, just like, I don't understand it. To be honest, I'm not shocked because I know a lot of the American fans will know but if you go to a lot of NFL stadiums, there a lot of them are in the middle of nowhere. So, like, you even think of the likes of New England Patriots. They're not in Boston, right? They're really far out in Foxborough, which is an absolute nightmare to get out of. I think of the team that I support in the Chicago Bears. It's in the city, but it's one. It's basically like Old Trafford. It's impossible to leave or get or get get to. Mm. Like we talk about how long it takes to get get out of Old Trafford. And I'll just tell a little story. A couple of years ago when you remember the 4-4 draw with Everton. So I went with my folks and my brother. So I was I walked back into the city of Manchester. They were taking the train. I got there first. That just shows you how impossible it is to get out of the stadium. You'll literally be, be waiting to get onto the tram for yeah. a good, probably as, as long as the game took place. And, that, and yeah. that's the big problem. The only thing that brings people to Old Trafford or that area, even when there's not a game on, is the mega store. That's yeah. it. Like, there's yeah. not there's nothing else there. And it's crazy. Like, the only reason it looks semi-okay now is because Gary Neville and the, and the likes of them built hotel football. <laughs> that's, yeah. like, the only thing that looks semi-new in that area. And yeah. it's ridiculous. One of the things that Gary Neville mentioned, you go to the outside of the stadium and there's things that you look rusted. Like, yeah, so things like, when you walk things around like, the stadium, when you walk around the stadium, you're like, wow, geez, I didn't even realize it was this bad. And the other thing as well, Kieran, yeah. think about the amount of pubs as well that they could have built around there. You know, yeah. all, all the fans want to go and there's been a lot of, lot of pubs that, you know, obviously um, they're, tradition, you know, they're traditional, but they could have invested in them. They could invest in the, the ones that bring in the most fans because just look at Tottenham's new stadium. But that's the whole yeah, but that's the whole point though, Kieran. They don't care. It's not just about the European Super League. If you go back to each stage of their ownership, they don't care. And uh, ultimately, yeah. at the end of the day, the club is so big now. You know how can you implement the fifty plus one policy without the government? You just can't. And that and that's the, that's the worst thing. You know, you do say that they will they will go one day. How old are we going to be? I'm 26 now. Am I going to be? We could be dead by the time that it's sold. God forbid. And that's the problem. Like at the end of the day, the only time that they're going to sell is one, if they start making big losses on other investments and have to sell, or like we see in other cases that some big scandal comes out where they're forced to sell up or they die. That's the only reason. That's the only reason football owners or sports teams owners actually sell their clubs because they make so much money. I saw a comment under there who would, who would actually be able to buy the club. Look, there's a lot of billionaires that own other sports franchises around the world that 
if Manchester United came available, they'd be able to buy the club. It's just when we're talking about anybody now, we're thinking of some of the richest people in the world. But look, at the end of the day, if Arsenal, if Man United, if Liverpool, Real Madrid, Barcelona, if they went up for sale, there would be a queue of different consortiums trying yeah. to buy the football club. That's not the problem. It's always gone. I've always said this before, and it's what Joe mentioned with, with Arsenal, that we always talk about who has the money to do it. But look, at the end of the day, the, the Glazers would have to want to sell. And it's the same thing with Kroenke. It's like you could have someone that's worth $20 billion if you wanted to, and they could buy the club, and they could offer $10 billion if they wanted to. doesn't mean the Glazers have to accept that money because it's lifelong money that they're earning. They're going to keep making money year after year after year. So if you put yourself in their position, why would you want to sell? You're the owner of one of the most popular clubs in all of sports. Yeah. And, and, make and money to use a horrible word, use that horrible word here and the brand. You know, is exactly. there a better is there a better wherever you go, every corner of the world, you'll see something with Man United, whether it's like someone wearing a cap, <clears throat> someone wearing a shirt. You know, there's a good good comment here from Best in Cantona. Uh, the problem is the club is valued at two billion. They seem to want four billion for the club. Look, I think just to wrap up on this, guys, you know, <clears throat> and it will segue nicely into the next topic. You know, the, the protests on Sunday. We had some last weekend as well. That it feels like more than ever, apart from when they first came in. And again, when they first came in, there was no way you were getting them out. We there were no. protests and protests and protests. They'd already bought the. They'd already, I say, bought. They already taken what they already stolen the club. Um, you know, but you look at the protests we had last weekend, and it was great to see a decent turnout. And this weekend, I expect to be a big one. I might, I should be going up. We'll see. You know, if I can move a few things around. But you know, it's something that Rob said the other day on the masterclass. You know, is that there are a lot of fract fractures and factions in the fan base, and we saw last weekend. And I don't want. Let's not name any names because I don't want to name any names. Um, so we're not going to name any names. Um, but you saw. Look, they did well last weekend you know to get together but why was there one on two days joe oh, sorry two weekends why have they done that look the fan base can't even organize unite for one day of protesting and this is a problem there's too many labels in the fan base you know so and so is a fan camera so and so is a real fan because he's from manchester i'm not from manchester kieran's not from manchester the the links to uh the links to Ireland with Manchester United are just so deep, as deep some of United's best ever players are from Ireland, um, Northern and Republic. You look at you look at a lot of the Cockneys as well. David Beckham, one of our one of our great modern day players, was a Man United fan, but he was from he was you know he's from London. And this is a problem you see that there's too many in the fan base that can't put their differences aside to go against the bigger enemy. And unfortunately. Yeah, for that's the great good, yeah, and that's the problem. Like, we can do all these, we can hashtag, we can, we can boycott. At the end of the day, you know, if you really want to get them out, everyone has to be on the same hymn sheet, Joe. And you know, the the I, I expect the protests on the the weekend before Liverpool game to be to be very very good. I expect it, but the mm. point is, you know, there's still there's still faction in the fan base. You know, why couldn't everyone have just come together and it? It's just so frustrating, and and this fan base can will never do that, can never do that, because even if it's not about the Glazers, it's about Oli, and if it's not about Oli, it's about Pogba, and if it's not about Pogba, it's about Bruno, because there's people now go for Bruno. If it's not about Bruno, it's about I don't know the color of the shirt, the way shirt that season. It's about anything. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, anything to complain and argue about. And it's just sad. And, you know, while it's great to see people pulling together in the majority, they're still the minority and everyone should be welcome to every single protest. Doesn't matter whether you have a fan cam and you have a fan channel, whether you are, you, you know, you're part of, uh, you know, one of the more uh, hardcore groups or diehard groups, whether you're sitting in India, it doesn't really matter at all. Everyone should be able to feel like they love the club and they do love the club equal amounts. Mm. And it's just unbelievable. You know, uh, we get so many great listeners that aren't from Manchester. It's not even from the UK. You know, great comment here, spot on. Uh, for some, it's not even about fans from Manchester. Exactly. You know, like some of the most mm. hardcore fans are, are the ones that, you know, sit in India or sit in Norway. Or, you know, they're just as hardcore as anyone else. They get up, the ones in Australia get up at 2, 3 a.m. to watch United play. I'd yes. say they're more, I'd say they're more hardcore. I mean, like you said, people yeah. around the world working, waking up at these hours when they have work the next morning, you know, or they've been working late and they stay up and watch the games. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, what I've noticed with these protests is, is, is absolutely what you say, Hayley. Like, what is your motive for doing these? Because I feel like for some groups, the motive has been who can get the biggest group together and form the biggest protest and and the most meaningful protest. Well, it's not about that. It's not about who, you know, do you want to be in my gang or do you want to be in his gang and who can get the biggest lads together and who can make the most noise? It's, it's my dad about, is bigger than your dad, Joe. That yeah, is literally Exactly. It's and it's not about how much clout you can get from doing it. You know, we, we, we've, we've talked about this and we're not going to name names like you say, but I wasn't comfortable with some of the sort of underlying messages that certain fan groups were doing it by doing these protests and by going to these protests where you're going for the right reasons, where you're trying to do the right things. We've talked about this off air, Aiden. We'll probably talk about it again in the, in the future, but obviously not today. But yeah, I yeah, just Yeah, just, like just elaborate on that, Joe. United. Sorry. Just elaborate again. on that. Yeah, just elaborate on that. Yeah. Like, we're obviously... Well, we're just trying to... Name just, just, but just, it's, it's just... Yeah, people, people profiteering off it or doing yeah, it to get... Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why the last week or two weeks, Joe, we haven't done a show because I like I how said, are you any different to the Glazers then? Yeah, You're that's trying to profit off other off other people. This is the perfect yeah. time for every single United fan to come together. Whether you were one of those that you were like, Oh, I hate that guy on so or so channel, or I don't like to watch them. If they're a Man United fan and you're a Man United fan, you should have agreed last weekend. You should have against you, the Glazers should, as well. Yeah, exactly. And the problem is, what's going to happen is, it'll take a few weeks, everybody will forget, the protests will die down, and suddenly it'll be back to Ali in, Ali out. I hate Pogba. Pogba's great. I hate... Br like, it's the same crap over and over and over again. When you would think, surely, when we nearly saw a group of kind of six owners try and take what we have enjoyed for basically our whole lives away... And yet there's still people that have to bicker with each other or try and profit off one thing. Like you were saying, my dad's bigger than your dad type thing. Like, I just I just don't get how when you see something so bad that has happened, you still can't come together. And that's why we've always said it. Protests never work with Manchester United because people can't agree on anything. We look at Liverpool and I saw their protests and everybody was there for the same reason everybody worked together all i saw during the united protest were different people online putting up videos of different areas of the protest and for different reasons i'm like this is a chance to be together and i know yeah. we'll talk about it with the liverpool ones 
this is the perfect opportunity for two fan groups that absolutely hate each other to actually come together against what we hate so much in English football. Hey there, I look. We I don't know if you if you noticed, but in the week we were tagged into a tweet, me, you, and Kieran, with with the big United fan accounts, including United Stand, other people. The names I'm not going to mention because when I do, I get told off. We were we were tagged into a tweet, and we were told to basically come together with these guys. I look seventy or eighty percent of those people that I was tagged in that tweet with. I do not agree with their thoughts. I don't think they represent me as a Manchester United fan as a fan base, but I would have been more than happy to work with these guys if we can come together and share a common goal. But the issue is a lot of the people that we were being tagged with, the hater, are doing this for reasons other than trying to get rid of the Glazer. They're doing this because they see an opportunity to grow a brand and and and, and, and grow clout and get more clout from it and monetize it. And that's what I'm not comfortable with. So no, I'm not interested in working with these guys. I am, if they're, if they're real reason for doing it, is to get the glaze out of the club, but I never felt that that was their real reasoning behind it. A lot of these big, big accounts. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And something I do want to add, I'll come to you, Kieran, is that yeah. there's going to, if you do it properly, there's going to be plenty of media there. You don't need to go and do your own stream. And I'm talking for all the big channels. You don't need to. Why? Because put your phone down, for God's sake, and yeah. just unite and focus. You don't need to show people that you're there. It's great to see pictures. I'm not saying don't take pictures. I'm saying don't. You know, don't do it to try and, like Joe said, grow your brand. You know, I you know, imagine if I'm going on Sunday and I go and I live stream this and I do it to this channel. That sends the wrong message. I'm there because I'm there purely to protest against the Glazers. It's not about the football masterclass. It's not about Red Devils talk. It's not about the masterclass podcast. It's not about any of that. It's not about growing this because I don't, that's not why I do this. And this is not why, you know, you go and say Glazers out. You do it because you want them out of the club. And that's the problem. There's, Yes, I'm sure the fans that do that want the Glazers out, but they also want to monetize it. And that, for me, doesn't sit well. At the end of the day, like we said the other day, what, what makes them any different to the Glazers? There's nothing different. The Glazers are using Man United to make money. And people are using the Glazer Out campaign to make money, to grow, to have more exposure, because they know it's a subject that incenses the fans, Kieran. And it does. Yeah. You and know, like just to, just to say, it's like, there's a reason why the last two weeks we decided not to do a show because everything was so volatile amongst the fan base. And we just wanted to be able to sit back and look at something that we kind of agreed with the majority of the United fan base where we need to come together and get rid of them. But the problem is that and we don't want to kind of single out any people or fan groups in particular because there was multiple and the problem is when that happens, we already have a divided fan base. And a lot of it is because of some of the fan channels that are out there, because what ends up happening is that it's this, this group versus this group when really there should be one group and that's Manchester United fans. It's like when people are saying that Ollie out, Ollie in, I don't like this person. I don't like this person. At the end of the day, I just want what's best for the club and what was best for the club at that point was for anybody that was there or anybody who had, that had the chance to go to just go and do something that was right and there was still people just trying to make money off it and to be honest it's it's sickening when you when you see it because the whole point that we do this is because we like talking about the club that we love and we were doing that off off air we didn't need to come on to kind of express some of our opinions and i think that if more people did that 
And if those people were able to go, brilliant, that's great, and you go for the right reasons, but you don't need to try and kind of show off to say, oh, I'm here, this is what's happening. It's like people can see what's happening. There was enough people at that crowd with their phones out that stuff got leaked to kind of Twitter and stuff. The people knew what was happening. It was on Sky Sports News. We don't, mm. we don't really need to see from a particular area because all you're trying to do then is all you're, you're just trying to make kind of, like you said, Heather, make sure your brand keeps continuing. And look, it's been a reason why a lot of people have been against some of some football channels over the past five or six years because we now see what what they are in terms of they're just trying to make money rather than try analyze kind of what's actually happening they're just trying to be kind of get their kind of bat leap crazy opinions out there so that they become kind of whether it's a meme or they get like a short video that kind of everybody starts to see but that's not what football fandom is about. Football fandom is about actually enjoying watching your team play. When they don't play well, yes, criticize. But it's it goes to the whole point where we didn't do it. We don't need the volatility around the club. And I think if you do host a show or you host a fan channel, I think you actually have a responsibility not to do that because while there's a lot of people that we see on Twitter all the time that are terrible, it's a reason why there's blackouts happening on social media this weekend that people just can't come together. For We knew, we didn't have football for, what, six months last year? Well, we finally do, and yet people still abuse these players and abuse people around the, the game. I, I don't get it, and it's, again, it's it's something that we need to try and, like, get to an end. And that's why I keep saying this weekend is really important. This weekend, yeah. it should be about Liverpool fans and Manchester United fans coming together against the greed in English football. Spot on. And this comment here is spot on. The fan base is too big, hence it is fragmented. Yeah, look, I think that's a part of it. Just to wrap up before we, we will talk about Liverpool and the Roma games. Um, and guys, thank you honestly for all your comments. It's been fantastic. Some really great points. And uh, I do agree, you know, that, that it's got to be done the right way. It's got to be smart. And, Ultimately, who benefits from the fragmented fan base? It is the Glazers. They're the ones that sit there and they're like, they can't even do a protest together. They can't. And that's that's the thing. At the end of the day, Joe, we've got Liverpool game on the weekend. We'll touch on that first before we, we touch on Roma. We've got a Liverpool game on the weekend and it's a massive opportunity, as Kieran says, to really put out a message because, you know, these are two clubs that absolutely despise each other. I despise Liverpool. There's one club on this planet in this gla galaxy that I want to see fail and do poorly. It's that club. And, uh, but you know, one sort of thing that you have to say about them is that they know how to get owners out. They know how to unite. I'm sure, look, I'm sure there's so many Liverpool fans. I'm sure they're just as fragmented as we are. Maybe not as much, but I'm sure they just have factions in their fan base. You're never going to have everyone singing off the same hymn sheet. That's just not, that's just not realistic. But when you look at Liverpool and you saw the whole situation, yes, Liverpool were going into administration and you saw with uh, Hicks and Gillette and they all rocked up at Anfield. Mm -hmm. and what was it? Two, three, day, two, three days later, F FSG had bought the club. United have never once done that. Never once. You know, obviously at the beginning we saw that happen, but on the weekend, if our fans and their fans can stand together shoulder to shoulder, like the good old Irish uh, national anthem, Kieran. Um, and they can really send a message because this is Manchester United versus Liverpool. 
this is the biggest game in English football. This is, for me, the biggest game in Europe. Screw the El Clasico. It's not the same as what it was. This is the big game. Yeah. Main night Liverpool, two of the most successful teams in the country. If they can stand shoulder to shoulder when they would usually be at each other's throats and they can send that message and it will be broadcast all over the world, what's more powerful than that? To be honest with you, Hayden, this is my last hope in terms of you know people coming together and somehow getting united. And I really hope that the fans do it justice at the weekend. And I really hope that maybe if the media do kind of cover it, whether Carragher and Neville do try and do something, that they do it really, really well. I mean, we've got people on here saying about the fan base is so big that it's fragmented. Well, there's, there can't be a more fragmented set of opinions than a Manchester United versus Liverpool fragmentation can they you know what I mean in terms of what how they view their clubs and how they view football and and where they place their club in the football pyramid but if they can come together as two of the biggest rivals like you say then you you can only hope that our fan base will look at that and somehow think you know well come on if the, you know we we don't hate each other in the United fan base we just have difference of opinions but we can put them aside what well, we can't put them aside but uh, Joe hating this fan base yeah well, yeah but what i'm saying is that the hate you know if the, the hate can't be as strong as united versus liverpool you know it shouldn't be anyway yeah. that's what i'm saying and if you, you know if we, if we can see those guys joining together it's a perfect weekend then surely our fan base has to look at that and be like come on we we, we can do this but if look if if we still got fragmentation and we still got division and we're still going to be doing protests in the future where we're seeing people doing it for the wrong reasons and I don't think I don't have much hope to be honest I know that sounds negative but it's just like this is the perfect weekend because of the fixture and also I think the situation with the league table really helps this weekend well normally you know you'd be looking at this game coming into a running in the league you'd be looking at the table and thinking you know we we can't be worrying about off-field stuff because look, Liverpool are maybe two or three points behind us. This is a must-win game. I do think the table helps a little bit in the sense that what happens on the pitch is almost, for once, not going to be as important as what goes on before the game. Because, look, United have this 12-point lead over Liverpool and, and and Liverpool you know, are struggling at the moment. And I don't predict it being the greatest of games anyway, just because of where, where they are in the league and where we are in the league and and what and, and whatever and the fact that we have a Europa League game either side of it that you know if if the weekend's anything to go by against Leeds I think that that's where Ollie's priorities are at the moment so I don't really expect much from the game on the pitch so it's a real opportunity to sort of make a stand and 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 make that protest before the game and even maybe after the game really powerful. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. We're going to move on. Look, Kieran, Liverpool game is a big game. United can really knock Liverpool out of top four contention. And that's massive. That's really, really big. Um, you know, how am I feeling about generally about football? I'll be honest. There's almost there's almost a bit of apathy here. What did you say yeah. to me about two, three months ago? You feel apathy towards United. And that's the most dangerous thing, because when you feel apathy towards United, it's all, that's worse than being angry or frustrated. It's nothing. You, it's almost like yeah. Look, the the one analogy I always think is if you're fighting with your girlfriend or your wife and they're mad at you, it's a good place to be because it means they care. If they don't care and they're just they just leave it, it means 
or if, like I said, if they're apathetic, where they just will leave the situation, that's that's the problem. If you're a fan and you're angry at your team, okay, for the team, that's still good because it shows that people care. But if people just stop going to games, stop buying stuff, aren't engaging in anything to do with the team, that's when you start to see change happen. I've seen it with mo- a lot of my sports teams, especially ones over in America. I've been a Chicago Bulls fan all my life. They stopped even trying to win for a good five or six years. And finally, people just said, enough with this. I'm not spending any of my money on this anymore. You were starting to see half-empty stadiums that used to be completely full, no matter how good or bad the team were. And eventually, the owners took charge and they're like, okay, we need to change this. Change their general manager, change their head coach, change their roster because they saw what was happening. So the problem is, look, right now it's anger because so many people are so ingrained with Manchester United. It's hard to be to get to that point. I was at that point with Jose Mourinho as the manager Dude, where just, I just, just didn't care. Here. I stopped watching. Just to, just, to, um, just to butt in, you know, do you think though that See, this is how I feel. I'm angry at the Glazers, but it's almost like I've been angry for years. I'm yeah. approaching that apathy. It's like, it's almost, and that's why I'm so, that's why I'm trying to be as vocal as possible on Twitter. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to, um, you know, portray that this is such a big opportunity to get them out. Will it happen? Yeah. I don't know. I really don't. But this is the best. And But this is the thing, though, is that it's been so bad. If this doesn't work, I will descend into apathy. I'm feeling apathetic yeah. with football as a whole. The whole, it's not the same. Look, I'm 26. I'm still, I'm still, you're 28. Joe's about 500. No, I'm joking. Um, but, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah. like, I'm like, all, too, mate, to be precise. <laughs> all I know is the, is the Sir Alex days. Like, that's all I remember. Yeah. You know, my earliest memories is Rude Van Nistelrooy and, you know, in, in the early 2000s, like, I'm young and I love the fact I can be educated by older fans and, you know, there's some great accounts out there that spread some great word. But the issue is that it's not the same as what it was when even 10 years ago. And if United, we talk about the anger, it's anger right now, but if this doesn't pay off, aren't you worried that the a large sections of the fan base, especially a lot of the older ones as well, you know, they've, they've seen it all, but you, know, you speak to some of the older fans who have seen pre Fergie and they even say, this is this is bad. This is as bad as it gets because you still had hope, didn't you, in the in the pre Fergie days that you know the team could turn it around. But here it's like we are we are operating with both arms behind our back and on, we're hopping on one leg. That's what it is at the moment. Yeah, I think what you said was really was really true. I honestly think this is the only opportunity United have of getting rid of the Glaciers because you have the government actually listening and watching. To what's happening we've never had that before we've never had it where they've even paid even the remote bit of attention to football currently we have that where there's a lot of clubs that don't want what was what was about to happen to actually happen so you actually might get some support if you can come up with some reason some way to get rid of them look at the end of the day i've seen it before where there's owners at particular teams that you never thought could leave. The one I always bring up was probably back in uh, 2013, 2014, the owner of the LA Clippers. So he was, he did nothing. He never, he didn't care about the winning, never even tried to win. 
And then what ended up happening was there was some scandal and the NBA for, forced the sale. The problem is the Premier League is not strong enough. And if there was independent regulators like Gary Neville wants, there would actually be the possibility to be able to do that, that if someone is not acting in a way that an owner in the Premier League or in the English football should, then a forced sale would happen. The problem is I can't see that happening in football just because of the way it is, because it's so driven by money. There are other sports that are actually driven by success. And that's the problem. And that's where we are. And I completely agree with you, Heather, is there are going to be people that are just going to feel apathy. There's times that, I like I said, there's a difference between how I feel towards the Glazers. That's always been anger versus the team. The team, there were times under that kind of second season under Jose Mourinho, I was complete. I was completely done. I, I, I think it was probably from the end of October to the end of November. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's it's actually a waste of time watching because it's the it's same thing over and over. This season, yeah, I think the, it's a couple I think of only, as well. Life, yeah. it's just you know, it's not been easy. I think the only difference this season is even though when we've been playing bad, we've actually been getting results. That second season under Jose, we looked terrible. The players didn't want to play for him. And I just felt like this isn't the same Manchester United team. Not even that it's the quality of players. But the one thing we always knew growing up, even kind of pre-Fergie and when Fergie was there, was that the players played for the team. They wanted to win. Now, because of, and unfortunately, it is because of money. There's a lot of players all around England that don't care about winning. They care about going there, making money, moving on to the next thing. And I think that's why we see such vitriol against players like Paul Pogba, because of the way his agent comes out, he it looks like it's a representation of the player. And when he doesn't do well, people automatically put two and two together and think it's five. And they think that this is him not caring and him not trying when that's completely not the case you look at the way Pogba wants to win you just have to look at when we score he's one of the kind of main guys that's going kind of going crazy it's the same thing that I think we're starting to bring in players that you actually have they have that burning desire to win and I think that's what the club that's what the club needs unfortunately we don't have that up at the very top of the club honestly the only way I think you might get some people calming down a bit is with Ed Woodward leaving is if they actually put a football person in place there. Yeah. So this is actually the first time that you could genuinely try and get someone like Van der Sar to come in because it's the same role at a bigger club. And he probably wouldn't, but a, someone similar that's a football person that's in that role. This is the first time that they have a chance because it went from David Gill. We all know it'll be at Richard Arnold and, that, and that's a sad thing. Yeah, I guess, but there there has been rumours over the last couple of days of people from other clubs, which I actually hope for this time around, it is someone from the outside. Because I think if it is, like you said, if it is just going to be Richard Arnold, it will just be fans just being apathetic towards the team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think surely they must be looking at this, Adrian, thinking that, look, they're not going to build bridges. It's far too late for that. And like you said at the top of the show, you can't salvage a relationship that wasn't there in the first place. But I absolutely agree with what Kieran's saying there. The next CEO appointment has to be a football first man. If this guy who's going to get that job, whoever gets it next, if his background is in commercial or in bank or, or finance or anything like that, 
these fans are just going to get even angrier. I mean, it's you've got to be looking at, at like Kieran said there, a Van der Sar, a Stuart Webber at Norwich, somebody, even uh, Angus Kinnear, who's the guy at Leeds United, who I think they've had a fantastic model as well over the last couple of years. Look, they've done a lot of work recently. We It's not long ago we were doing the show talking about the positive steps that they've taken, Ada, with the appointments of Murta and Darren Fletcher and the restructuring there. This is another part of that jigsaw now. Make that CEO a football person and, and sort of carry on that kind of work that you've been doing on the hierarchy. For me, they, I don't see how they get away with making another sort of appointment that's got finance written all over it. I just think it will just go off. Thing is, yeah, Joe, just, what, sorry, just quickly. What concerns, yeah, yeah. Actually, bring this to what concerns me is that, you know, we did a podcast on John Murta and we did like, it was, you know, we went very much in depth and, you know, on paper kieran it looks like a sensible appointment you look at fletcher going into negotiations looks sensible i've tweeted many many times and i'll say it again for the millionth time woodward going means absolutely nothing if he if he's replaced with another woodward and it means nothing if they don't come out if if the glazers aren't out the door next that's that's the reality of it because ultimately end of the day ed woodward is replaceable just go and find another financier who knows nothing about football who cares about making money because that's what the glazers care about the objectives are commercial objectives they've taken football club out of the crest as we know and then that needs to be back in the crest but we know it's may night plc not may United fc you know and while i've i've been critical of ollie this season actually when you look at it looking at the stuff he's done off the pitch like i've been critical on the pitch with ollie and i think it's fair to say you know that what's the, what's positive about united is they're winning games playing poorly but too often than not that first half performances are just not good enough. They're really not good enough. Yeah. And ultimately, that will be unsustainable. But what Oli has done fantastically well, which cannot be overlooked, and that's when the people that are so strongly Oli out, who are so... It's almost like they're, they're just blinkered because they just see what goes on on the pitch. Running a football club and running Manchester United football club... It's tough. It's, it's, it's everything, right? And Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, whatever you think about him tactically, and I've criticised him many a time tactically, we all have, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has shown that he can manage everything else at Manchester United Football Club. And that's not a mean that you know that's not a mean feat. And you see other managers come in and they think, geez, like David Moyes came in and, and he's a Premier League manager who was at Everton for years. Ollie coached at Cardiff. David Moyes came in and he had look he was out of depth. He had no idea. He was like managing Man United is not just the team, it's everything, the expectation, the fans, the the history, everything that comes with it. What Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer has done and you talk to a lot of people who are connected with the club and they say he has turned the internal wranglings that were under Jose Mourinho around completely. He has stopped it. It is a completely different place. It's almost, people are saying it's like Sir Alex behind the scenes. It really is like that. The way that he knows everyone's name, the way that he's he's changed the culture. The, the players are happy under him. Whatever you say yeah. about Paul, says about Paul Pogba, everyone knows I love Paul Pogba. He, he would stay and play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. If that's mm. what that's what it meant. And you know, there's a comment here uh from Ajmal saying that Oli has aged 10 years doing this work. Just look at him giving interviews during the Leeds game. It's just sad. We need to back him. What I will say about Oli, I've said it many times. What I will say, yeah, they 100 percent need to back him. What I've said many times is what I've had doubts about, and that look, we all know that Sir Alex Ferguson wasn't the best tactician, guys. He's the greatest manager of all time, but he wasn't a tactician like Pep. Pep's on another level. But what what um, Sir Alex was fantastic at is obviously he delegated. He had a great number two. He had a great coaching team. He wasn't running sessions at the end. If there's something Oli can do, it's that. 
But what you can say about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is man management is fantastic. Managing the club, managing the expectation is fantastic. What I have said in the past about him is that, you know, it is a worry that when you get to that certain level, how far can man management take you? How far can that take you? You still got to have that top level for me, either someone in the team or in your coaching staff or, or that yourself, that top level bit of coaching, because, you know, when the players hit a certain level and that's, what's going to happen guys under the Glazers, we'll hit a certain level in terms of quality of the squad. Cause they're not going to address all the positions that need to be addressed. So when you hit that point, what do you need? You either need fantastic coaching or you need luck essentially. Yeah. And that's the thing, Kieran, you know, when you're looking at May United and you're looking at the whole sort of situation, it's almost like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's taken the brunt of what's been going on. And you'll see, if we not lose against Roma, and I want to bring it onto that, we've got a game on Thursday. If we not lose against Roma, the idiots will be like this again, the blinkered ones, right? And be like, and blame it all on Oli Oli out. Oli out was trending after Leeds. Can we not wait to the end of the season to have your opinion? He's going to get oh. another contract. You can, you can, you can criticize, you can critique the team. We were, we were rubbish against Leeds. And, you know, you can criticise Oli for his in-game management. Should have brought Proper on earlier. Should have made, brought Van der Beek on earlier. But the fact that people are still that stupid, and I'm going to say that stupid to think that this is still just a manager problem, they're just idiots. And like myself and Joe have had this conversation many times. I, while I do think, you know, perhaps maybe a better tactician would get more out of it, but that's not the point because at the end of the day, these owners are the problem. We talk about Ed Woodward. I went on a, off on a tangent there about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but we talk about Ed Woodward, you know, leaving. You've seen these reports with Nicky Butt. He's obviously stuck the boot in a few times. And we did say that at the time. Nicky, Butt's, Nicky Butt was integral, and we're not going to go too much yeah. into detail. But, you know, there is a worry as well. Is Murto just going to be almost a puppet, you could argue? And this is the thing. United need people that come in from the outside. For me, look, it doesn't matter who comes in. You could have Luis Campos that comes in. Until those leeches leave, nothing's going to change. Yeah. It's, the, the only thing that I would say is bringing someone, it doesn't have to be Edwin van der Sar, but someone like that, you kind of extend a type of an olive branch out to say, we understand what you guys are saying in terms of that you've had just money people at the head of the club that look, they're not going to want to sell. So if they, if they don't get forced to sell the club, they're not, they're not going to. So the best thing that we can hope for is that they do bring in someone that has a football plan that is going to be kind of spearheading this. Now, even if they bring in someone that was similar to what or like you said, Richard Arnold, the one hope I would have is that that person doesn't, like to be the center of attention because that's what Edward were that was his fault because Woodward wasn't that much different than David Gill. The difference is David Gill didn't actually want the attention. He let Sir Alex Ferguson deal with most kind of transfers and all that sort of stuff. The problem is Edward liked the attention. He liked being the one that if they brought in a big player that he would be there with the player as well. And that was one thing that I hated because I'm like I, as a fan, didn't care to see. I, I don't need to know who Ed Woodward is. It was like with David Gill. I didn't need to know who David Gill was because they're not important because the only people I genuinely care about are those players and the manager because they're the ones that affect really what's happening on the pitch. Now, that's normally 
at a normal club, at a good club, what should happen. You shouldn't care who your owner is and you shouldn't care who your CEO is because they shouldn't have any impact in the way the football clubs run. They should just provide the finance. That's what they should be. That's what they should be. In good, look, at the end of the day, would we really know that much about Leicester City's owners if unfortunately the tragedy didn't happen where where their current owner, his father, died? because he did so much good for Leicester. But I think that's when a lot of other people start to see what they actually did for the club. But that's kind of what you want. Like, you look at so many, we can name some of the most popular like sports teams in the world. And you could say, who's their owner? You're like, no clue. And the reason for it is because they're successful and you concentrate on kind of what's on the pitch. And that's the difference. If Manchester United were had the players that Manchester City did now and we're still winning and it just it just continuously went through and there wasn't this big talk of the death the Glazers would have just disappeared they would have just been these invisible men but the problem is they stuck around during Alec Ferguson's time because everyone saw that increased death that was happening and the squad wasn't improving year after year if the squad was improving year after year and there wasn't all these stories about how much debt the club was under, do you really think that we'd be talking so much about the Glazers? We wouldn't be because fans want the club to do well. If we were winning every single year, I can guarantee you half the people that are complaining about the Glazers now wouldn't say a damn thing because we, most we people be, just care. We know this much. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing podcasts about the finances. We're going to wrap yeah. up. Sorry. Make a great point there. You know, my last sort of word on it is that, you know, people say that um, I've seen this on, on Twitter, you know, that uh, Ollie's allowed, you know, Ollie's been the manager to, that that could have allowed Liverpool to, you know, to uh, win the Premier League. You know, what I'm trying to say, you know, as a United manager or he's he, he could be the one that allows City to win the Champions League. It's stupid things like that. It's the Glazers that have allowed this. Allowed Ada, for 26 years on Rallys Ferguson, we stopped Liverpool winning a league. We've asked Man City to do it for five years and they weren't able to do it, mate. So it, it, it's not Ollie's fault here. You know, One club cannot stop a team winning a league and one club certainly can't, well, especially a Champions League, you can't stop a team winning a Champions League, especially if you're not in it. I mean, we haven't been in it since the group yeah, stage, so we have no influence over whether Man City win this Champions League or they don't. What you can do is you can you can criticise Ollie, you can criticise the players for not, for not, you know, for not performing, for not doing things right. On that basis, but when you're criticizing the fact that City could win the Champions League this year, I've seen it on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Then give you the wobble, honestly. Um, look, Joe, quickly, I'm going to give you a minute. Uh, your thoughts on the Roma game? I know we were meant to talk about Roma and, and Liverpool. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. guys. You know, I know it's on a bit of a, a Glazer tangent, but we just kind of wanted to go in and just just analyze everything, and you know, hopefully provide you with a balanced approach, you know, to all of this. And like, if you guys disagree, that's completely fine as well. That's why. We all have opinions. Um, but, Joe, you know, the Roma game, we've got a couple of old United boys, Chris Smalling coming back. So should I say Mike Smalling? We've got our Henrik Mkhitaryan. He's one of the players in the post-Sir Alex era, which I really thought was going to be an absolutely mm, top same. player. I'm so sad. And he's done well at Roma. Look, Roma are a bit of a – I watch a lot of Serie A. They're, they're, a, they're a poor side, I'll be honest with you. They're not a good side. They're very inconsistent. They're sitting low in in the, in the Scudetto race. Well, they're not in the Scudetto race. Um Look, May United should win this, but ultimately, we've seen Bruno Fernandez really out of form, really out of form. He looks tired. It's just about winning, isn't it? United need to win this trophy now. They've mm. they've almost sacrificed the FA Cup. There's nothing to play for in the league. 
um they have to win this and if ollie wins this and comes second it's it's a it's a really good season to build off and um yeah, it's just a must-win, isn't it? Ollie needs to get some silverware under his belt. I know people don't rate these trophies, these second-rate trophies. Well, actually, Man United, this is our level. We're not a Champions League. Um, you know, last last uh, eight, last four club are we at the moment? So we have to win this. Look, just on Mkhitaryan quickly. I just wrong wrong time, right club, wrong time, wrong manager for him. I actually look at Mkhitaryan, and if you imagine if he'd have been there, maybe before Ollie managed to get Bruno in. You know, that kind of playing that Bruno role with that creativity that he was able to do, making goals for other players. He probably wouldn't have scored the amount of goals that Bruno scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mourinho was the wrong manager on two counts. One, the tactical side of the game, but also Mkhitaryan's one of those players that he's never going to respond well to a Jose Mourinho. I don't that's, that's the other thing I found strange about it. Not Just not a Jose Mourinho type of player or personality, I don't think. So, yeah. But on the game, Hayley, look, you know, it would be really nice to win this now. Not take all the Ollie in and Ollie out thing and what you think about trophies and whether you think they're important and what your expectations are for the league. Wouldn't it be nice if this club did something, after everything that's happened this season, did something that it's famous for? And that's going and winning a European trophy that it's had to earn, you know, that it's had to fight for, that it's had to win games to win. It's not being given to them, but it's not by any divine right that they're in that, you know. I say they've earned it. They're in this one, obviously, because they got knocked out of the Champions League. But, you know, they're in Europe. They've had to, they had to get into Europe last season. And, you know, all this talk of European Super League and it not being about success anymore and it, it all being about money. It'd be so nice if we could end the season with a trophy, like I said, doing what a traditional Manchester United does best. And I think that's my biggest motivation now, actually, for winning this trophy. It's not about thinking, well, what does Oli need here for it to be a successful season? What is, What even is a successful season for me? It's more about, I would love to just see us do what we have always done best, Hader, and that is win something and, and, and have some sort of tangible success that we can see and have a trophy to show for it and, and bring it back normality after this absolute craziness of the last couple of weeks absolutely and i think there's if there's anyone that does deserve to win a trophy you know i think ollie does deserve to win a trophy i think you know there's some players in this squad that really deserve to win a trophy you know i think bruno fernandez deserves to win a trophy luke shaw mm. deserves to win a trophy i know obviously shaw was here with our last win but he's been fantastic this season and ultimately at the end of the day you know and it's a good point here. You know, Liverpool have recently surpassed us winning trophies. The rivals be there. Exactly. Look, United haven't won a trophy. Is it four years now, Kieran? I believe four years. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I'm actually one of those that I know earlier on in the Europa League, when you're like in the last 32, you're thinking, oh, you know, this is this is not particularly, uh, you don't want to be here. But you, when you're sitting at the business end and you're looking at the fact you might play Arsenal in the final or, or Villarreal and they're a good side as well, you know, then it's like this is still a European Cup. If United win this, they're gonna play a super cup against whoever wins the Champions League. That's a big that's still a, a big achievement, you know. Um, I just think I'll give your last word on this, Kieran. But in terms of uh how United set up, do you expect us to be really going for it, or do you think Oli will be a bit more measured and uh <laughs> you know, waiting for that second leg? Um, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? Is that a serious question? How we're gonna. I think we all know what's gonna happen. Fred and McTominay will be playing in midfield. We'll use one of. Bru we'll probably have Bruno and Pogba off the left, 
Um, and then you probably have what Rashford or Cavani playing and Greenwood out, out wide. It's look, it's in big games, Ollie does the same thing, but look, it's worked to a certain extent. All they need to do is get through the Roma one because look, you just need to get to the final. Because at the end of the day, I think Ollie will start to feel that this is the worst possible thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen for these players is them losing in another semi-final and not being able to get into the final again because it'll start becoming a bigger thing than it should be and that's yeah. that, that's the issue i'm not sure i can well, deal with that Kira. I, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm not sure and i think this, if i don't get the final i think you could probably it's probably fair to question you know that's another semi-final if you look at the semi-finals that United have had as well, you can argue in all those semi-finals, they have had a tough opponent, haven't they? And I'm not saying that Roma is not a tough opponent, a historically great club, fantastic club. We've already touched on some great players. There's going to be players there with an agenda point to prove. But like you said, Hayden, when you look at this Roma team, out of all the semis that we've had since Holly's coming, this is the one really it's where you have to say if they don't win it, it becomes a bit of a problem because it's actually for once it's a semi-final they should win you can look at them other games and argue they're either in city's favor or they were kind of 50 50 games for me this is 70 30 at least in united's favor and they should be winning this one i think the only one that's probably a it's probably different is that severe game last year they should have won they had so many opportunities that that one they should have got through this time around look a freak thing happened in that game. It was a once-off and you lose. That can happen. This time it's over two legs. You have the better team. You should win. The pr- The problem will be is if they don't get through, there's going to be that thing in the back of players' minds and every time you get to a semi-final, yeah. but can we get can we get past this? While under Ferguson, players are so used to winning that even if they played crap in the semi-final, they knew uh, we can still put in a performance to get to the final. And once we're there... We believe we can win because they won a lot of the finals that they were in. I think what they need now is they just need to get there because there's a lot of players that are on this team that need to experience winning that they just don't get enough of. And that's the one thing that's missing in this team. We don't have enough winners. And the only way to get a culture like that, and people can laugh at Manchester City all they like about the League Cups, but those Cups taught some of those players how to win. And that's what this club need to start doing. They need to start winning trophies. And you build one on top of the other, and then eventually you have a team strong enough to you might be able to compete for a league or a Champions League. And when you have players that have won before, they know how to act in these games. And that's the big thing. It'll be it'll be an interesting um kind of week and a half now. I really, really hope that we can kind of get through it and just get to that final because then at least it's something to look forward to because even the yeah, Premier yeah. League, if United win one more game, I'm pretty sure mathematically they are pretty much in the top four. So at that point, does it really matter for next season if you come second or you come fourth? Not really because you're in the Champions League anyway. So at least it's something to actually look forward to for the end of the season. Yeah. Hold on. Something happened there. Are we back? Yeah, you're back, mate. Oh. You're on here. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, back. Mate. Yeah, we were we were here. I think you your internet has you, gone. You, you, it is raining here. Um, no, Kieran, I agree with that. Let, let's wrap up, guys. But what I do want to say as well is that we'll try and be back 
every week uh, on Red Devils Talk. You've got a nice little mix. You know, myself and Rob do the Masterclass more tactical after games. But this show is really about, or this podcast, I like to say that we are a podcast. We're not a fan channel. Um, but, you know, this it's podcast... Party. Yeah, party. It is more, yeah, we get into into the topics a little bit more. And guys, you know, if you've got any topics you want to talk about, you know, just just ping it under the posts that we do, or you know, tweet it. But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you check out the Football Masterclass website. That is new and that is out. And Rob will be writing an article. Uh, Kieran might get his hand at writing because he's a good writer. Joe might do a few as well. You might see me actually write, which would be interesting. Um, you know, when you I when I'm laughing that. when he writes up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, well, look, guys, make sure to check that out. That's www.thefootballmasterclass.com. We are looking to uh, get some writers in eventually as well, other people that want to contribute and get involved. So make sure you check out the website. And uh, feedback's always appreciated. Have a nice evening, and we'll see you on the weekend. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 